Welcome back to This Is Hardcore Podcast. You just heard Crime 84. The track, Hate Cops. This is coming out on Rebirth Records, which is Roberto Taylor Wilson IV, the godfather behind FYA Fest, my partner in crime in Philly Hardcore, frontman of the great Off the Tracks and many other bands. This Crime 84 band is from Jakarta, Indonesia. And absolutely stunning to think about being so far away from a people and yet you hear this fucking music and it it just burns right into you. This like uh, stuff that, you know, is timeless. Should mention it that um, it was only about a week ago or so where 125 people were killed and hundreds were injured in a football match. Uh, there was basically um, a fight or something in between after the one team lost and the cops went ahead and used tear gas and resulted in hundreds of human being crushed, more injured, and saw some people associated with whispers and other, you know, Southeast Asian hardcore people on Twitter talking about it, looked into it. So my heart's out to the Indonesian hardcore scene. Bob Wilson putting some Crime 84 on the map. Would love to see them out here sometime. Check that shit out in the TIHCpodcast.com link. Their songs are mad short, just like that. So rock on, people. There is a lot we got going on in Philly. And, you know, when I when I look at the discourse, the local discourse, it doesn't even reflect what goes on on Twitter. You know, like, we just don't have this here. You know, we had a great example as a show Saturday with varials and boundaries and stuff that would be filed in your record cabinet under metalcore or modern metalcore or whatever how organized your proverbial cabinet would be and it was a success wide diversity checking of all the boxes of inclusivity a wide array of people young old new to our first unitarian church shows long time people just a little, a little spice and variety of all of it. Following day, Life's Question, the record release. And again, once again, all the box checked. People who never been to the church before, tons of people been there before, young and old. And again, we don't have some of the, the troubles that pop up on these social media channels. And and I'm fucking glad for it because honestly it's taxing. And so I'd have to say that for me there was a lot of heeing and hauling, hooping and hollering about an injury at a show that no one went to. I want to say no one. Obviously, there's people there. There's people, bands, 
and it's not this in Providence, but you know, this wasn't a 2000 person show. This wasn't some fucking turnstile show, (laughs) but yet in the same breath, the amount of people that magnetically get sucked into throwing their two cents in. And I am not, (laughs) I am not without guilt in this. I find the whole situations of today's hardcore scene being completely powered and, and almost steered at times from social media outlets to be distracting to what's real. You know, these outlying scenarios do not affect business as usual. And that point gets lost. Often it does. Because the scenarios play out. What if, well, in my day, all these scenarios that just go back and forth longer and with more proverbial eyes and ideas on it than the people who were initially involved in the first place. And, you know, as long as I was, as long as I can remember that to me, DIY people created places or took places with rental fees and cafes and bars and basement halls and church halls and turned them onto a place that would give a safe harbor for the rock performance of the evening, whether you know, whatever bands there is. But also there was like a, a true harboring of like the goodwill and the idea that if you're in that room then you're a part of this that can't be converted in the digital space. It's like if you go to that show on that day, be it 1977, just a couple blocks from a police station that's getting tired of the punk rock people in the area, or you're, you know, in 2022 and you're just walking down those damn concrete steps of the First Unitarian Church, by physically transporting your body and paying the money to get in the door, you're enacting a social contract to explore and enjoy to attend and participate or not participate and just voyeuristically take the whole scene in. And in that, you know, there's just like common courtesy agreements here. But when you get something that takes place online for the world to ponder and pontificate then then you're you're not in that where no one involved in that has that same kind of connection because it's not about the moment it's about you know armchair quarterbacking or you know making sure your point is heard your ex- lived experience is understood and putting your two cents in and i've often thought of and said you know if every post about something so minute and simple you physically had to put two cents in 
every major area in the country probably could be funded with a DIY space. Okay. You want to talk about something, you got to pay two cents. End of the year, every every major area in the country would have fully functional DIY spaces. And so initially, because of the fact that when I was going to rock concerts and slowly slipped into smaller clubs and the all ages stuff and then was getting exposed to the beginnings of like the DIY things, I read a lot of zines on South Street ahead of time and was captivated by just a sheer difference between the no barrier, the no concert lights, you know, the no one standing outside and asking for autographs, which having found my ticket little box that I had, found quite a few little autographs from people, most notable would be Rob Halford when he was playing in the uh, for the band Fight, which came after he left Judas Priest for a bit in the early 90s. And I ended up getting his autograph on a ticket. And that show wasn't even halfway full. And to think that, you know, I always bring up in conversation on this podcast, talking to Dave Franklin from Vision and thinking, like, this is like a Rob Halford type. I didn't even have a ticket to buy because you didn't really get advanced tickets often. In those days. And you definitely didn't ask Dave Franklin for a fucking autograph. It's just the the differences is so fucking vast. That I had to recalibrate and understand the culture. And I feel like one of the biggest issues in the real life scenarios that take place. That end up getting dissected and taken down all these different stupid corridors online. Is that the the more recent times. And there's been evolutions of these more recent times. Like, you know, turning 15 in 1995 in the summer. Hardcore was a lot different than the summer I turned 20 in 2000. And life was a lot different for me when I turned 25 in the summer of 2005. And hardcore was even vastly different in 2010 when I was turning 30 and so on and so forth. But I would say that the people that come in from an internet thing, they don't immerse themselves in the culture properly often. Not always, but often. They do not recalibrate their expectations of the area, the environment. And they don't pay the culture respect. And the easy the easy explanation is young folks, you know, we'll say young. We're not saying 15, 16, but we're not saying 25. Somewhere in the area of late teens, early 20s get themselves into a mosh pit at the local hardcore show that's not at the rock club or the big bar, but at some hall for whatever purpose, proverbially. And they just don't get the culture of the mosh pit that the hardcore kid has. Turns into shoving and fisticuffs, and then they get smashed out. And this is a world that 
has these things happen. Whereas the same persons, if they were going to a rock concert in it, in an environment with barricades and the evil merch cuts and the pat downs and the security, you can have a go at someone and you know start some shit and the bouncers break it up, kind of like that whole hold me back, hold me back moment. And so like the um, performative aggression, there's a wall of protection for these folks. And when they go to article show, they they may end up losing some fucking teeth from some form of fracas with the more local people or more senior people or just general people. They're not going to take their shit. And the rules are a little different. And so the discourse was on injuries and stopping shows. And it all relates back to somebody who got hit, was injured, and went to social media afterwards or to Venmo and all this other stuff. And the online error um, was that people took them seriously. But it was too funny to kind of not mock it. And again, I got, you know, I can't be like, how dare you guys do this? Because I was right, right in the forefront of saying it. But more or less mystified to the idea that there's still people that they want to walk two dogs with one leash here. They have this thought process where because they pay to get into the show and they may have some base knowledge or some working understanding that there is a hardcore show and it's DIY. And these folks are even kind of sort of from some form of, I hate the term, but it, a has some simple um, application here, and the they have some in, in involvement in the more punk side of that world. But for some reason, we're at this insanely hard beatdown show. I also hate the word beatdown, but again, it applies easiest to listeners. It's not the term I would use, but because you guys are mongoloids, and I have to use terms that your simple brains will understand. So they go to the show. They get hit. It doesn't seem like anything that at a show that we would run would even be cause for any of this chaos. And I'll come back to the scenario that mostly plays to why we don't have this in Philadelphia. And I'm going to write myself a note to go back to this point and remember what I was going to go here. But the thing that struck me is again people who actually go to things besides festivals go to regular performances by regular ass hardcore bands not just the big name that's going on in town but you know the regular ass people they've got some pretty substandard lot really informed viewpoints on hardcore and what the DIY culture is in terms of this kind of stuff. And I was kind of like more fucked up, not that these people got hurt or that there, but there was people like basically blanket statement being like all these bands over here do this kind of thing and it's fucked up and wrong and it has no place in our scene. 
and I'm pretty particular about who gets to tell me what goes on in anything. I don't like even being told what to do when it's the right thing to do because I'm an asshole and a gangster. Not really a big fan of being told this is how it is. I like to come to my own stupid, aggravated conclusion about what it is. But I really am pretty partial to going hours in. And I look it up and I'm like, this is like a bit, this is a person. We'll use a blanket statement person, you know. I'm like, I would say listens to more pop music or at least converses online and pro- promotes and promulgates more crap that some regular asshole off the street would know versus talking about Warzone or the great chilling time and outburst and hardcore shit. So when I hear R, I'm like, maybe it's local. But it's a general statement saying that essentially violence in hardcore is... Not not wrong, but like it, you know, people are targeting and like just re-echoing these stupid ideas. You know, it's a stupid idea. And to the other side, actually, is the dumber people basically being like, "Fuck you if you can't take it," blah blah blah. And it's like, well, there's fucking levels to this, right? You know, um. When I was going to metal shows, the first one that really piqued my interest in moshing was Slayer at the Spectrum for the Clash of the Titans. And they threw the metal chairs into a pile on the floor. We didn't have floor seats. We had the bowl, whatever, the... Not high blood, um, well, the nosebleed seats, but the, you know, in between. Not the hockey boards, but, you know, above it. And so I was like, can I get nervous? No, you're not going in that pit. And I just loved the fucking chaos of a bunch of crazy long haired motherfuckers being like, nah, we're not going to sit in this fucking chair. And they threw it in a circle and just got going crazy. Something inside me just fucking resonated with the anarchy and the chaos of the moment. And I'd seen the We Gotta Know video on Headbangers Ball not too long after that. And not that the metal magazines that I was reading or, you know, occasionally you'd see some good articles. I didn't have a subscription to Thrasher, but sometimes when they were covering stuff, I would buy an issue I kind of got a glimpse into, you know, more punk and hardcore stuff that way. But it wasn't until we started really going to South Street, I started picking up zines and stuff and kind of reading scene reports and stories from shows that I was just like excited and like, this sounds crazy. This sounds even more wild than the stuff we're doing. And the stuff we were doing was running around in a circle and shoving each other and there was like, and still is a nasty. If you ever want to, you ever want to get fucked up, come to a Philadelphia thrash show or come to a Philadelphia punk show, because there's still a lot of hard circle pitting. That I don't even like talking about circle pitting. I, I would put two stepping as the thing that makes me want to throw up. Just saying, and circle pitting being 
just like the cooler older brother to the two-step in that at least here it was never like for fun it was pretty dangerous until i went to a pennywise show and it was just like shirtless dickheads that probably also listened to whatever radio rock at the time who found pennywise i'm like ah, fuck circle pitting all together but i digress um you know there was some conversations about some of these people don't even know how to do blah. And I'm like, what the fuck do you do? I know I I wasn't fucking coming out of the fucking womb with a ninja kick and a fucking windmill and some bullshit. And in fact, because I don't have any sense of embarrassment here saying this, like my mom's house was fucking the home base of chaos chaotic activity which when we all were cutting our hair and getting like way more into hardcore from metal my mom's living room was like the fucking as to steal the quote from Chris B about the castle it's like my mom's living room was like a fucking mosh dojo we would go to some shows in New Jersey come back and try to emulate them We'd be watching any video that we had on VHS, looking for pit moves, because you know there wasn't fucking YouTube or anything like this. Like it took it took a lot of hard, not at show movement to get even acclimated to how to move. And then when you're a little kid, <laughs> fucking grown ass men, as we've been saying, my boy Juice was on an early episode. Like anyone with a fucking beard was like a grown man to me, you know. So there's these fucking dudes with fucking beards and fucking either shaved heads or ponytails. Fucking full ass, you know, 50 pounds heavier. They're fucking going at it hard. Man, how am I going to get my one or two moves in before that would get just knocked on the floor? But that was probably my first year or two, except for the local shows. The local church hall. The local um, small venue you know, like, you get a couple more moves in. It wasn't like just show the fuck up in your first hardcore show. You're out there and you're just like the fucking man. Or woman. Or they them. Whatever you're, you know, prone to say you are. But the point I'm making is, is like, there was people that were saying like, you know, at this large, insane fucking turnstile show that I mentioned there's like a whole clip of all these like straight up normal ass people just capping you know oh turnstile's greatest can't blah 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 like making it look like it was the Metallica when they were playing that crazy rock festival in Russia or some shit right and again look at all the push pits it's like yeah there was fucking push pitting at fucking Sound and Fury there was fucking tons of push pitting at the last two um, Furnace Fests. Like, although it is commonplace in the hardcore scene of today, and then the spillover fell into the god-awful pop bands that weren't big enough to not do the halls and the small clubs. So the culture spilled into all that metal and all that pop music. They really didn't want to be a part of the hardcore scene, but because there was no fucking place for them to play, they got stuck doing it. So those scenes kind of adapted all those kind of moves and attitudes towards shows as well. 
But the off the street person, they don't know no fucking move. You got to cut them some slack. And I'm not a man to cut the slack, but you know, you're looking at a kid who who is trying to, you know, be Billy Badass, and to them, the turnstile shit is that. And I don't think it's too far off that this world, this evil dimension to the ninth circle of hell in TikTok is either. I think the youth that are captivated in this social media platform brainwashing device are fucking absolutely, some of them are just raised or wish to be the end-all, be-all center of attention in the entire universe. And they're the fucking star. And they're the main character. And everything, including the sun, the moon, the fucking tidal waves, revolve around their wishes and blessings. And so I'm not surprised somebody who's younger gets cracked and can't understand protocols to remove themselves from a venue without further injury. And then the ridiculous stretching out of the truth and just just making it sound so much worse than it is. It's comical, but it goes back to it goes back to the thing where this newer generation wasn't raised the same way. And I'm not sure if it's it's been covered how little the digital age children ever roughhoused or anything like this. Like, let me know the first time they ever had a nobody makes me bleed my own blood moment. If you're a fan of uh, the Grape Dodgeball movie, you know, like, fuck knows what some of these people are coming from. And so there's got to be a little bit of leniency in it. But within respect to hardcore, there, there isn't mobs of people just dying to prey upon new people. And despite being involved in, participated with, um, in a large organization, so to speak, if you know, you know. If you don't know, you don't know. There was never a preemptive strike on these kind of folks. So there did get a moment on the internet, always in the shady corners where you can hide your face with like a Reddit profile or some goofball anime Twitter bullshit and say, oh, this has been going on forever and blank, blank, blank group of people. They were doing that at shows. And it's like, it's always been this trope that these people who go to shows, who some are bigger, some are scarier, some are crazier, they just hit the little guys. And I've always hated it. It always sounds so fucking stupid. You know, it's like, like there's just these fucking ice giants that just roll down, just stomping on little people. It's, it's never been the case. I know I bring it up because... It, in a in a time when it's so far removed from the center of any kind of conversation about hardcore, 
it's crazy that these people pop up and bring up old shit, you know? And my point in the bigger picture of things is that there is a window that is gone of expectation where, yeah, there's going to be a kid who comes to a show and he's not really going to be able to get out there and do the coolest moves. Luckily, Ben Soupy Butt, Alex Bradley, even Chris with the pharmacy, Bob with the yard. There's these smaller venues that we do shows at where the newer folk, the neophyte, and the younger people can come and they can start getting their moves on without fear of getting destroyed by everybody besides fucking giant-ass Jacob Smith because the motherfucker's just fucking galactus size huge, right? And that's the thing. Like, um, Timmy from Punishment, Timmy Walls, was the cousin of Eric Walls, guy we grew up with. And Eric joined Kensington when we were in high school, the band. And so Timmy got to come with Ethan, who is past. And I'm not exaggerating this. These kids, when we were... When we were young, they were, like, really fucking young. You know? Like, really fucking young. Like, 11 years old, 10 years old. I'm not making this up. And we gave them a little corner to do their mosh, do their thing. And as they got older, they would get crushed a little bit here and there. But, But there really wasn't that moment to me of, like, these kids are in danger because everybody kind of signed up knowing let leave these little kids a little spot on the floor. Now, granted, when they were going to the bigger shows, well, we don't have a full control of everything. So we then immediately went ahead and had a show. I'm like, hey, man, you're going to get smashed a little bit. But there was this agreement. And it brings me to the, the more centerpiece thing that I understand that the term safe space is completely um, um, controlled terminology-wise by the LGBT plus community. But you can read this in things that existed. I not... Before, because that's absurd. There's always been these kind of um, different groups, but the general consensus is that the early DIY shows, and maybe even at a grander scale, punk and hardcore punk was the safe space for these people who just didn't ride with society. They didn't feel like they're, you know, all the all the lines that you you heard in my, you know, they were out of step with the rest of the world. You know, like their views were congruent to what was status quo, hardcore and punk, and all the different subgenres and subclassifications, the different shelves in your record record uh, fucking collection, all fit neatly under that. Hardcore and punk rock is divergent from the mainstream and therefore gives safe spaces to people 
to just not be like someone who's walking in a crowd of normal people knowing that they don't belong. That's the general principle of it. And so I saw a lot of this. Well, you know, this isn't, you know, this isn't a safe space. This isn't, you know, this is supposed to be a safe space, but it's not. And I think that that shows some more of that self-centered TikTok, you know, modern identity crisis where everything that this person wants, the rest of the world has to follow along, which again is not congruent or not fucking agreeable to the rest of the hardcore scene. You know, someone just say, hey, stop, stop the whole show. I've got to find my contact. I hate when people stand around and hold up a hat or, oh, you know, it's like I fucking like the show doesn't stop because an item fell on the ground. The person will find it at the end of the show. It's like a fucking pet peeve of mine. If you watch the terror show from the church, you can see me huck a fucking a shoe right out off the stage. It's like the person who is in this room, there's only 500 people here. At the end of the show, we will have a shoe we have a person looking for their shoe, and we will make that shoe go onto the foot that the shoe needs to be on. This doesn't have to stop Terror's fucking performance. I'm uh, sorry for off the little rail there, but uh, it always goes up my ass, right? So, you know, the, the terminology, safe space, lends the idea that, like, safety is paramount. And, and I want to weigh, weigh in and say that, yeah, safety is paramount. Having seen horrible, very dangerous things, including deaths at shows, I would say that everyone should be able to leave a show and go home, whether it's to their dog or to no one or to their family. And we've gotten pretty fucking good with that over the years for all the chaos of hardcore punk and all the stuff that goes with it. But I'll draw the line. Like it's not one person gets to dictate what is safe, what is unsafe. And I really felt like the level of audacity, like, listen, we let you in. No one attacked you verbally, insulted you, turned you away for not being like everybody else in the room. Because that would be the complete opposite of what hardcore punk's about. But it's uh, if you know, you know. And if you don't know, don't step up and try to change it. Sit back and learn. Sit back and get immersed. Sit back, take your fucking ego and your pride, and sit back and go, I don't know really what's going on, so I'm going to give it a sec. And I can say that from a first-person perspective because that's kind of what I had to do. Again, being just like Timmy and Ethan for punishment, I legitimately had a moment where I'm at a legit hardcore show where I'm like, this is above my pay grade. Like this is this this level of activity physically I can't keep up with. And, you know, it was like, what am I gonna do? Get even more hurt or step to the back? Well, I'm gonna step in the fucking back. You know, and that's just that's just should be the first priority of someone at anything. You know, if the fucking 
You know, you know, like if you go to the beach, you're not going to go all the way out to the point of the fucking sea where the waves are knocking you under and you can't breathe. You know, sit in a kiddie pool, sit in the fucking early part, you know, like lower part rather not earlier part. Um, and it, it just felt like, like, what are we talking about here? Like there is no, you show up and you tell us how you feel this is and then drown us in, you know, terms regurgitated over and over again trying to find a way to use like the big fun words that everybody just loves to hear like dis disproportionate if i hear someone say disproportionate one more time i'm gonna fucking scream it's so overused in the last couple of years on social media but the truth is is that you know no one is entitled to dictate how things are going to go with no skin in this game, no new person, no neophyte, no stranger to this world can just walk in and go, I don't really like how this is working, so we're all going to stop, okay? Like, that's not how a fucking world, you don't, you know, to quote my boy Billy Joe, we didn't start the fire. <laughs> it's like you didn't start this fire. You don't get to, you don't get to just show up on day one and say, I don't like what's happening, so you're going to follow my rules. You know, now the next part of this is that if you are responsible being a person in a band, being a promoter, you have some actual liability, but more you have a responsibility to your scene, to the people that you trade the fact that, hey, I'm going to put my work in to bring this show to you. At the door, you're going to give me this amount of dollars, which then I'll pay towards the expense of the room and the band. You know? Like, you have a transactional relationship. And if you care about hardcore, you have an emotional attachment to this thing to see it grow, to see it prosper. And so, attitudes where targeting is accepted, just, yeah, yeah, I mean, if... If you want to see someone not come back, yeah, let them get beat up. Let them get really hurt. If you want to see the police at your show, you know, or the the relationship with the venue get fucked up, yeah, I mean, yeah, let some 18-year-old kid just get targeted and stomped. Now, I'm not saying that these things happened with the previous thing. I'm on a totally different tangent here, and I probably should make that totally clear. I'm on a complete, you know, um, different tangent here where... I don't like reading the straight callousness because it's performative, right? Like, if you can't take it, it's like, yeah, every step of the way, any person who's ever just showed up at a show couldn't take it. You know, um, I I did chuckle quite a bit at the many different stories that would eventually come from the social media regarding injuries, like, hey, you know, this happened to me and I still did this. And I do think that's a part of the hardcore. Like, if we're going to use that term, like, you know, I mean, it's fucking pretty fucking hardcore. Like, I mean, the first year at the Electric Factory, there was a picture of four separate kids on crutches. And I was like, on, here we go with the fucking injury fucking uh, liability lawsuit. And knock on wood, we've never had any kind of real issues like that. So, but... There is this badger survival or the I can still keep going. And I've had to tell plenty of kids, kid, you're out of the game. Or don't come back here until I see that eye covered up. And um, 
I there's a list we should probably be taking of all the different kids who I've put butterfly stitches on their eyes, helped out, you know, clean their mouth up when they get hit in the face, basic simple triage stuff to assuage them and tell them they're going to be okay and make sure that they're okay because I want the people that come to shows that are part of the community or building relationships to become a bigger part of our community to get care, you know, to not be sitting in a corner bleeding and no one knows that they're hurt. So I do take a little bit of my frustrations out on the people that try to cheat this like this is a fucking Vietnam. And, you know, if you die, you die. We don't have time, you know. Can't get your can't get your can't get your helo back, kid. You're gonna die. It's like that's not how this works either. It needs to be a better understanding and variation, uh, a better understanding of the way we need to explain ourselves when we're frustrated with the other side. And for me, you know, I see a lot of selfishness. I see a lot of people who show up, and I actually like this part and it goes back to stuff that I didn't wasn't um hardcore for but read books about where the identity of people going to a hardcore show isn't to dress so closely to what normal people with that you can now walk by a hardcore show and you're like oh this is just a bunch of kids outside like there was people with their faces painted there were some people wearing some wild clothing in comparison to the modern state of hardcore, just kind of all doing some variation of goofball streetwear or identifying hardcore dress patterns that get mocked now with a 90s Halloween costume that I just saw for the first time 24 hours ago. And I think it's kind of cool. You know, I always said if I could have did it again, I would have just been the kid who wore like the Legion of Doom spiked football pads it'd be a weird gimmick going from being like a 16 year old kid and 42 still doing that but there's a fuck you that comes from not sitting like everybody else though i'll say from doing that exploited chromags total chaos show nothing is more performative and follower follower-esque as the punk scene and the grind scene and the fucking bullshit street punk scene where it's basically cosplay skinheads and you know it's performative because it's just a costume and i mean not that hardcore doesn't have a costume but it's kind of like a what a kid say like a low-key thing or low-key costume you know kind of blend in a little bit i guess you know undercover punks so to speak sometimes like we do these punk shows and some of these kids just have shit written all over them. Sometimes it's funny. I I love the punk scene. I love the skinhead scene. But sometimes in the modern era, there's just people that just kind of Google what to look like. And it, it's weird to take in. But I think the effect is there. It's menacing to be jarring, to look a, apart from society. And I respect that. But the the back to the social contract of coming to these shows is that you're agreeing to be a part of our shows. A part of our shows. And every person who comes to a show, as I've said this many times on stage, you could have the same show four days in a row, same venue. It's not the bands on stage that make the show. It really is the people in the crowd. The right people in the crowd make a show fantastic. 
the wrong people in the show. Yeah. Boring or dangerous. You know, you just get a bunch of fucking meathead psychopaths. <laughs> you can have a real fucking problem on your hands. All the, you know, like it's it's completely dependent on you as a kid or you as a person. If you're going to a show and your first priority is looking around to see if someone's going off, you're already fucked up because you should have been the one going off to start with. If I'm going to keep it 100. You know? Shouldn't be on everybody to say, now's the time where we go off. But I digress. So when someone comes into our shows and their ideas are that, hey, this happened I am not okay with it, so can we all stop for a sec? Isn't going to work. And that was like the other base for the people going like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, where where would we, where or why would we stop? Because you're having a minor inconvenience that'll be within 72 hours a non-factor, you know? But then because of the social media and the ability to twist things and, you know, where in real life they have zero power online, they can go ahead and disparage and call out the club and, you know, say these mean things about this band and blow this shit so far out of proportion that I can fill up 45 minutes talking about it. And more as like a harbinger of like, this is what could come if we're not doing the right things. But I find it to be distasteful. And I find that, that taking the term safe space and centering it around, well, they weren't safe. So the safe space is like, no, we were all safe in that moment because this is a place where our culture can still thrive after 40 years. And these bands that would never get it offered to be on a major record label and would probably never be offered, you know, a stage otherwise unless someone took the time and rent the venue. Someone took the time to put the effort in to make it happen. You know, that's the basic culture of dealing ourselves and being the underground that because without these people and without these bands and without this community, this thing doesn't exist. So this is all of our safe space and we do our best to mitigate circumstances so people don't get injured. We mitigate the social setting so that way as the topics of the day become up in the forefront we aren't ostracizing people and i think the hardest thing for me is an i hate you know sidebar if i see one motherfucker person say elder uh, emo i'm gonna fucking actually just start nuking them just gonna do what those kids do on the thing where they just call the SWAT team on their house it's such a such an it's such a fucking stupid term but like someone who's been doing shows for a long time and going to shows for a a longer time you know um hardcore exposed me to more different kind of people with different backgrounds different ideas different religions different sexes than anything else in this world so i cannot will not and never will ever fucking say or agree with anyone who's like Hardcore is just a bunch of straight cis white males. And blah, 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 blah. stop, stop with all that. It gets fucking, I'm so tired of hearing that like discourse. So just about someone projecting their own insecurities and then attacking someone to delegitimize it. When, when really hardcore as a culture is responsible for being the background for so many people that had so many amazing 
things to do with the actual social change in this country. One of the greatest examples is Mo from Cypher, who is the chairman of the Workers Family Party, who is doing just incredible work to actually have real progressive candidates, not only in the office, but just like campaigning. It's fucking fantastic. That shit never would have been possible without his exposure and hardcore, et cetera, et cetera. But I digress. I'm just getting tired of hearing that hardcore is this fucking brutal place and, you know, rude and off-putting. It's like, no, 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 no. That's your insecurities. That's your not being comfortable with what's going on, your inability to kind of control the narrative. So you attack, attack, attack. It's just fucking absurd. Now, one second. The thing I, I want to go back to, one of the great things that separates Philadelphia from a lot of these smaller places is that there are people like that in this scene and or city, not scene. And for the entire duration of me going to shows and doing shows, these folks often are people who didn't grow up in the city and then they move downtown or they move around wherever the colleges are, or wherever the cheap, poor neighborhood is that they could barely afford but tell everybody how great it is to live. Come here and instead of like migrating and immersing themselves in the general hardcore scene, they find their way to these really small little clubhouses, these little stupid treehouse scenes all over the city. These little houses and these small venues that they get and they push their shit on everybody and they try to be. They try to, at different times, they've contended. Other times, they've just, you know, said they don't go to our shows because of this and this. And blanketed statement, verbally insulted, and said, you know, basically, we're all shitheads, losers, assholes. This, this ist, that est, whatever, whatever you can say to get people to think that the regular shows are terrible and problematic. And the only thing they do is just stay in their little clubhouse where it's safe and they make all the rules. So, because of this goofy mentality where the only thing to do to protect themselves is to lock themselves up in this small little boutique world, I haven't had to deal with this as much as everybody else. And I'm fucking lucky for it. You know, um, I do I do not like when hardcore people are disparaging younger people and then side sidebar attacking any kind of identity politics stuff or attacking any kind of um, sexual orientation because that belittles all of us. That takes us all down by even humoring that. Or And I've seen some pretty crass jokes and just shit said that it's just like, dude, don't, don't put that on all of us. You know, that's classless. And and it and it escapes the point that these people are just young. They didn't really know what was going on. They got scared and they didn't get to make the rules. 
And then so their reaction is just performative to what everybody else does in the world. I'm going to go to the internet. I'm going to sell my story and tell everybody how mean and terrible this band is and don't support this fucking shows. And this place fucking sucks. And I'm so fucking over it. We were really just mad. But there is stuff that people can do to mitigate these things. And I think I know a lot of promoters that do different deals with shows where they're not even at the door to see people come in the room. Yes, there will be a time where I don't sit at the door. I don't sit at the door at the Underground Arts. They have really good door people. So that's probably the one time and one club where I don't see every person who comes in the door. But I like being at the door. I like to see who's coming in. Okay, this person is like, oh, wow. This, you know, like nice. I like people watching. You know, I like all the stories. I like, you know, these small clubs where, you know, you can take money at the door and turn and see the stage. Like the, like Mocha or Yuki, it's, it's comfortable, right? And there's a little bit of face-to-face engagement and seeing the people in the room and getting an eye on them. Like, okay, wow, that's really all that, you know, ostentatious or, oh, yeah, you know what? That person looked cool or, you know, like, oh, who's this new person? It's always exciting for me. And I think if you have any active consideration to not only being a part of hardcore but seeing it continue that, you can have a bunch of jokes. Like, I had a thousand jokes lined up, and I I did think it was really ridiculous that they were really just taking the story way past the point of being believable. But I also think that in lieu of hardcore people just jumping on top of someone online and just being blah, 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 like happens all the fucking time. There's some really dumb ideas and there's some really like simple things like newer people should be able to push pit and it should be a social contract amongst ourselves to go, all right, kid, like we'll let them do a little bit, like see how they go. We don't have to trash them. Doesn't have to end up with his eye out of his fucking head and his nose smashed. You know, it's like if you're if you're comfortable elbow and, and kicking and circle and, and smashing everybody in a circle, you can handle someone shoving you a little bit. Now, granted, this is a Joe Hardcore at forty two years old. 20 years ago, I probably would have a completely separate, you know, like evolution. My perspectives differed. And so you have to forgive me if past trespasses, you know, because that's growth in my mind is like accepting that not everybody's going to start out. And and that's what I want to really get here is that there's a lot of people on the internet with the talk about this stuff, not dialing back into our own origins and not understanding not everybody comes from this place. And you know what? Like I say about this is hardcore. It's like there's kids who go to shows where there is no stage. Everybody plays on the floor. So yeah, the stage diving sucks because these kids don't know how to stage dive. You know, like there's a thousand things that frustrated me for years. And I just like come to understand like the cultural and the significant playing forms, you know, like the, the playing fields are so much different scene to scene, state to state, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't know if I lucked out that way, but I'm glad that the problematic end of the really crazy people that are focused on far-left politics and calling people out for every minute crisis 
we don't really deal with that here, so we got kind of lucky. But I think that the the thing that I would like to take away from all this is that the terminologies associated with gatekeeping, I've already said this a million times, like everything's within a finger of Google. But, you know, if you're some dopey-ass band, I'll use my friends in Malacra. If I if I go to their if I go to their Spotify right now, which I shall, and and I do this because it's a good it's a good litmus test. Simulacra. Twenty four thousand nine hundred and thirty monthly listeners. They're on a U.S. tour or a short tour with Vomit Forth. They will be lucky if all twelve shows. There's 200 people in the room when that doing those two bands play. Yet, all of these bands in the modern era jerk themselves off with this month, monthly listeners nonsense. And the metric online is not comparable to the people that actually will pay to see your band. There is just a different facet with these avenues that are in these digital spaces that create this thought like, oh, you know, like we're bigger than we are. I've seen bands with huge numbers draw very little. You know, I've seen some absolutely absurd bands that should be killing it with, you know, um, terrible draws at the shows and you know remember also behind every record is a label that either had the money to spend or chose to spend the money on publicity you know um or didn't you know we're you know trust uh, turnstiles on the same record label that blew up nickelback right so nickelback is massive at a level that hardcore bands just aren't right so there has to be an understanding that this fucking band you know um they released this giant record they're from fucking Canada and they have a lot of money spent on them. So, this is what it is. Boom. Next thing you know is, they're fucking huge, and now they're like, 50 million records. Like, that has nothing to do with the, whatever music Nickelback was associated with. It has to do with marketing, it has to do with publicity has to do with all these other big world corporate ideas and so as you see the growth of turnstile they're we're getting to the point now on the second leg of this giant record tour with that video where you're just seeing people that have no idea what minor threat is or barely nothing to do with hardcore and that should be expected because the millions of dollars or whatever they spent on this publicity is working and now Turnstile doesn't have to worry about if there's a big hardcore show in town 
and turnstile. In fact, the hardcore shows have to worry if there's a big turnstile show in town because they're the fucking band. And yet, the conversation, oh, hardcore's getting so much bigger because of TikTok and turnstile. It's like, yeah, give any dickhead, me included, with my microphone, as I'm about to say, give any dickhead a microphone and a camera and they can broadcast some bullshit. You know, um, and a lot of people who have online spaces only do shit in person to promote their own bullshit. They're not really dialed in to the scene, you know, like they're just there to find a purpose and spot to say, hey, this is my take. It's very almost narcissistic if you think about it. So. I don't care how many fucking TikTok people exist on TikTok. They're not all coming to fucking hardcore shows. And their impact is null or very close to null. Because the turnover rate in hardcore is so fucking high. That it's it's not, it's dismissible at best. And and I'll leave you with the some thoughts that you can take with you for home. You know... At every point in time, hardcore has faced major music deals, you know, and their love-hate of it, if you're into the annals and archives of shit, there's been tons of debates of bands selling out, etc. And a great book that you should read is by Dan Ozzy called Sellout. Check it out. It goes really in deep into the mainstream music buying in of the underground successes Pretty interesting read, to be honest. But for every band that has big moments, it's not getting big or having the big movement. It's fucking staying there. You know, it's it's holding and staying, you know? Um, I'm not saying turnstile. Like, there's always, like, a comparison that needs to be made. It's like right now, you know, uh... Turnstile's playing some really big rooms. Hopefully that continues, but it's like, I want to see Turnstile get to Rancid's level, where it's been almost 32 fucking years, or 30 years since that first crazy record. And within, I want to say the first 10, they went from 100-person rooms to thousand to couple thousand person rooms to now they play the outdoor spots because they can bring a couple thousand people and and that's really what this is you know so stop making everything like it's not one turnstile it's not on tiktok it's really on hardcore and as i said this is our culture this is what we do what we make of it it's malleable your local scene could benefit from the JFK quote, you know, it's not what your country can do for you, it's what you can do for your country. It's the same thing turned around. What do you do for your hardcore scene? The digital space, when you see a show promoted, reshare it, post it. If you're in person, take a flyer, give it to somebody or tell somebody, you know, like don't spend all your time shit talking online. Like, don't put, you know, like, don't spend all this time in your stories 
dissing hardcore, dissing hardcore, and then coming to shows. You're just like making people who are just scrolling through your shit go, this person even here? What is they here for? You know, there's just so many positive things. My man Bob, you know, he, he, I watched this kid grow up. It's not a lot, but you don't think that's cool that he contacted a band from the fucking South Pacific and put their, is putting their fucking record out? You don't think that that's like a magical moment that could only be in a in a culture that even though we speak different languages and we don't even live anywhere close, but that you hear that song and, and you attach to it. Like, yeah, like that's a fucking rocking motherfucking song. There's so many fucking general, simple concepts that just are basic tenets that just get ignored because of this internet space. And I would say, like, stop, stop using the internet space for the negativity, and and and, and you know, accept and explore like how it is it in real life. How how do you really feel? Like, there's tons of people with social anxiety. There's tons of people like I don't know, you know, like there's always a little bit of excitement when the bands come on and then in between bands it's like you know there's the people that go outside to smoke cigarettes the people that go outside to get a fresh and fresh air there's mosh pitters that are sweating out pounds of fucking sweat all over themselves you know there's the people that work like there's so many different things going on and your place falls in there but just like take in stride that you're a part of something and take pride in what you're a part of you know, um, I was wearing a shirt that said, I love hardcore. I heart hardcore. And it was a shirt that I got in the 90s. And I do love it. And that's a huge part of my life. And I am not the most perfect exemplar person of the best way to do things in hardcore. Because I do believe it takes years of mistakes and doing things wrong and taking second looks at things. And looking at all this stuff and reading all this stupid shit. I just, hardcore is too cool and too special to be relegated to a simple argument about gatekeeping and bringing up turnstile and talking about mosh etiquette when really it's pretty fucking simple, you know? See someone on the ground, pick them up. If they're somewhat injured, you don't stop the whole show. You take them outside or bring them to the to the door so the person who's doing the show can figure out what to do next you know it's basic it's basic shit this whole thing's basic and because people are bored and on social media anyway it turned into another one of these spats that it was worth me mouthing off for for an hour so thank you for listening you can check out show notes which will be very minimal this week com. please check out crime 84 please check out rebirth records please check out philly hc shows Dot com, And what I chose to do is at the end, I'm going to go ahead and talk about some shows if you're fucking still listening. Um, we have a bunch of shows. There is What Threat to Society, Fright, Garrote, Blood Bucket, and the Lousy at the Pharmacy, October 15th. October 24th, Raw Life Risk, D-Block, Strangle You, Fool's Game, Photo Club. Then there is also One Line Drawing, John McCann, John McMahon, Her Heads on Fire, Time at the Philly Mocha, 
And then Tuesday, there is Scowl, Restraining Order, Ankle Blader, and now Off the Tracks and Underground Arts. So many shows. Uh, we're announcing a show for November 13th, to uh, Monday. You're going to want to be there November 13th at Underground Arts. And just follow us at phillyhcshows.com. Follow us at the Instagram and Twitter. You can always go to philly-shows.com for tickets or phillyhcshows.com for tickets. So there's a lot of cool stuff, a lot of great shows. And be a part of your scene. Don't be the person that stands aside and just says stupid shit about your scene. Be proud of your scene. If you don't like something or you don't think that something that you like is being done, get involved. Do it. You can actually make an actual change. That's the beauty of hardcore. And because it is a safe space for you to do so, take the opportunity to see where you can make a better impact. I think that's the better way to deal with all this stupid shit besides arguing on the internet. All right. Goodbye.